If you've been a creator for a while, I'd be willing to bet money that you are likely currently or recently A, have felt incredibly burnt out having to constantly churn out content. B, are constantly discouraged by the results that you're seeing, especially when you compare to other creators. And C, sometimes wish you could just log off and not come back on for like a month, but you know that it could negatively affect your creator business. And I'm saying this because I too have felt this. When you take a hobby and turn it into your job, it's easy for the fun to get completely sucked out of it, especially when the success of that hobby now decides if you'll be able to pay your bills that month or not. In 2024, we're making social media fun again. Yes, even if it's your job. I'm Kristen Busquette and I've been a full-time creator for over four years and I've brought in over $400,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're diving into all things that I've done in the past year to truly make social media feel more enjoyable, even though it is my full-time job. This, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 124 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here. Last week in our episode where we came back, you heard a lot about Gibbs, our little puppy that we were fostering. And I would just like to tell you guys today, great news. He has officially been adopted. Last week, he went back home or he went home in general to his new home that he will be in forever. Honestly, I think this one was like a really hard foster for us to get rid of. This was like the definition of why people say like, oh, I could never foster. It must be so hard to get rid of them. And this dog really embodied that for me. Like we loved Gibbs so much. If we didn't have like a hundred dogs already, we definitely would have kept him. Um, But if I kept one more dog, Andrew would literally kick me out onto the street and just make us all live on the street uh, until we get rid of a dog and then we could come back in the house. (laughs) So I didn't want to do that to Andrew or to the other dogs. So we decided to let Gibbs go to a new home. But for real, I loved him so much. He is amazing. And I did tell his new owner, like kind of jokingly, but also I was like, no, I'm really serious um, that I need to see him like once a month. It's only fair. But the day after Gibbs went to his new home, we actually brought a brand new foster into our house. We went along with the NCIS theme. So we had Gibbs and then this new puppy that we just brought in, her name is Ziva. So if you watch NCIS, you know, Ziva is amazing. She is the cutest little puppy. She's 15 pounds. She's like this black little I don't know, lab pity looking mix of sorts. Um, Her siblings are like 25, 35 pounds. So she's 15 pounds. She's the runt of the litter to be like very, very (laughs) clear. Um, She's super cute. She's very sweet and she is really having a blast. So we love her. We're super excited for her to go to her forever home. Um, But yeah, the year started off strong. This is our third foster. I don't know how we've gotten here already. And it is literally like two weeks into the year. In other news, Instagram has created a new add to friends story feature. This is bonkers. Okay, here's how it works. So you create a story for your friend. They decide if they want to share it or not. If they approve it, it's theirs. It gets posted on their page. Um, Public accounts can view it without likes or replies. And then your name, the person who created the story originally, appears when it gets added to their page. But they can also decide to 
deny it, <laughs> right? So like if you make a story for a friend and they're like, Kristen, no, I'm not sharing that, they can just deny it. I think this is a really, really freaking weird uh, little feature here. I don't see like any case studies or use studies where I would be actually using this. Um, but I actually was thinking about this a little while ago. And I think I could see brands putting together the story for you and then maybe uh, like inviting you. And then when you approve it, it gets shared. So I don't know. I think I could see it being used in that way, but weird feature. Okay, go off. We'll see how it goes. Instagram is now allowing podcasters to upload to YouTube via RSS. So if you're a podcaster, this is literally crazy. This is amazing. So if you have a podcast, basically when you have an RSS feed, what that does is it distributes it to all of the different platforms that you want to be on. So essentially, like for me, I don't go on for Social Scoop every single week and go like upload to Spotify, upload to Apple Podcasts. Like I literally just post it in one place and it gets distributed to all of these different places. So uploading podcasts right now to YouTube and YouTube music is a manual process and it's not optimized for podcasts. But Google is now adding support for RSS feeds. So that's going to make it easier for podcasters to basically upload straight to YouTube and YouTube music. So this is a big move for YouTube in the podcasting lane. Like they're really saying like, we want podcasters on here. Let's make this easy. And in my opinion, when I see like big platforms doing something huge like this for podcasters like doesn't this make you think shit I should start a podcast so I think if you've been considering it this is a real push in the right direction that podcasters and podcasting in general are going absolutely nowhere it's not too late to start your own podcast and I think this is a really great um case that shows you like go start your own if you want to Instagram has also created some new safety features for teen users so it's expanding content restrictions specifically around self-harm material and will redirect users to helplines all teen users will be opted into this most restrictive content setting um and they they are sending out notifications to all teen users to encourage them to basically uh, update the settings to increase privacy. So not super relevant for a ton of us, but I know there are definitely some of you listening who have teens in your life that this could be really helpful for. And I think given the fact that Instagram, very as we are talking about in this episode today, is very uh, common for, for you to feel not really great when you're scrolling through Instagram, I think this is actually really, really helpful to have a helpline or like have that help available for teen users specifically on Instagram. So uh, just for those of you who have teens in your life, good to know. Instagram is working on the ability to auto translate captions in reels. This is into different languages. So this is actually kind of groundbreaking. I was just having a conversation with one of my brand BFF students who she speaks Spanish and she speaks English and she's kind of figuring out where she wants to go with her content and in which language she's going to be speaking. But how cool would it be for her to be speaking Spanish and it auto translate into English so that we could be reading it if we don't speak Spanish. Love that they're doing this. I think this makes content so much more accessible. So I wanted to mention this just in case you are someone who speaks different languages or you follow people who speak different languages. This might open up the door for you to really be able to like speak whatever language you want to speak and have no fear that people are not going to find it accessible to them. I think one of my biggest goals for 2024 is to make sure that everything that I'm doing in my business just feels 
feels good for me like as a human. And so making social media feel fun again felt like something so important to talk about today in the beginning of the year so that we can start the year off right and really remember like we're here for fun. Yes, we're here for business too, but mostly we're here for fun. Okay. We came here first for fun. And so let's bring that vibe all the way into 2024 and make social media fun again. Let's talk about all the different ways that I'm doing this. Let's dive right into it. I've had so many different situations in my life where a hobby becomes a job or I start to monetize a hobby and I've really like sucked the fun out of it. I, in my newsletter where we talked about this episode specifically, I actually talked about my pottery experience for those of you guys who are following me uh, in 2022, I think it was in maybe August or so I started taking pottery lessons and I really, really loved it. And I went so hard into it. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like when you get a new hobby, I don't just like have the hobby. It just becomes my entire personality. And I like spend all my time and money and energy on it. And then eventually I'm like, ooh, I should monetize this because I'm putting so much work into it. And then I monetize it and then I like end up hating it. <laughs> so that's like my my hobby cycle. Um, however, I know that for a lot of other people, this happens. And this happened to me first with pottery. And it made me really think like, I bet you this is why a lot of creators don't like follow through on building their creator business, especially because similar to me with pottery, where like, when I was trying to monetize it, it got really hard with like the production part of the pottery. And so I got so frustrated and felt so much pressure on making these pieces like perfect because they were I was going to sell them that it took out the fun. And I think that happens a lot with creators creators as well, where like, we came here for fun, you know, we came here as a creative outlet. And then all of a sudden, we're monetizing it. And now there's so much pressure on it. And it's such a hard thing to do to build a business. And so a lot of us end up just being like the sucks and quitting, right? So it's easy for the fun to just get straight up sucked out of your creator business, your time as a creator, because you're you're now fully dependent on it financially, or at least partially dependent on it financially, if you are monetizing, there's this new pressure to perform. And then you start to analyze your performance more and more and imposter syndrome sets in. So like, not only financially, are you feeling the hardships, you're also like mentally feeling this pressure to perform, as well as just the imposter syndrome. And like, it's not a good feeling overall, right? So here are some things that I have done in the last year or so, and will continue to do in 2024, to make social media more enjoyable for me as a full time content creator. Obviously, you do not need to be full time to feel any of the feelings that I'm mentioning today. So just know that even if you are part-time or you're looking to go full-time, all of this still applies to you, okay? We still need to make sure it's fun, especially if it's your side hustle. Because if it's not fun now, imagine when it's your full business, right? The first thing that I did, and this was a huge, huge, huge jump for me, actually kind of two huge jumps for me, was switching niches and incorporating more things that I felt really excited about. When I first started my Instagram and honestly, for the first, I don't know, however many years, but a lot of years when I had my Instagram, I was mostly sharing fashion content. I went to college for fashion. My whole life like revolved around fashion, which I think is funny now. If you were to look at me, you would never know. <laughs> like all I do is wear sweatpants. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's bad. I swear like you get to a certain point, especially with working from home, we 
other like I have shoes on right now while I'm recording this and it feels weird because like I should like I should be like in sweatpants and not shoes <laughs> anyway um the thing is that when I was posting fashion content I really loved it and everything but there came a point where it felt like not super fun to me like I wanted to talk about other things I wanted to incorporate more of what I was doing at that time which was building my business um that I had in Massachusetts before we moved and everything so I wanted to start incorporating more things that I love but I felt like I was in this box and many creators stray away from niches obviously because it really makes you feel like you are put in this box and you can't go out of it so eventually I started to make the switch to talking about more social media growth and monetization like I do today and making the switch from fashion to social media monetization was a massive difference right like very two very different topics but talking about that made me so much happier and so then when I got to talking about that for a really long time because it was such a businessy topic and everything that I was doing was really educational I started to feel like people were only following me for education and like people didn't really care about me as a person or like things that were happening in my life outside of business so I never really shared a lot of that or I was kind of nervous to at least on my feed and then I will say maybe like six to eight months ago or so I started sharing a lot of dog content and this was a huge change for me that I love making my content so much more now because I do feel like it's okay for me to have that flexibility of like maybe today I want to you know incorporate my dogs into a post and it will be more fun for me to create uh, or maybe I want to like do a whole post that's just about dogs right because it's something that I love in my life so switching niches or just incorporating more things that I love really made social media feel more enjoyable for me and I basically decided on an 80-20 rule so 80% of the content that I share is typically in my niche it's contributing to my mission of exactly what I'm doing here on this podcast teaching creators how to turn their online influence and their creativity into a profitable business but that other 20% is like just for fun it's feel good posts it's Andrew and I doing alphabet date night it's here's our new foster dog it's here's uh you know this dog hack of what we feed them or whatever it might be but at that 20% is like my playground my sandbox to just have fun in and not feel like I have to stay in my niche 100% of the time that is why people are scared of niches right you don't have to stick in it 100% of the time it's okay when I started to incorporate more of my secondary niche which I would say is like dogs fostering rescue whatever into my primary niche content which is my creator monetization social media stuff content just started to feel easier so what I started doing was maybe like having a b-roll video of me with the dogs as part of a post where I talk about my business income and not only did that just feel good and fun for me but it also helped me be associated with more than just my primary niche and the cool thing about that is it really opened up the door for more relatability with my audience but it also opened up potential brand deals in a totally different niche like at this point in time I've worked with multiple dog brands and with the content if I were saying 100% in my niche why would a dog brand ever want to work with me right like it's such a cool opportunity for you to share more things that make you really excited but also like have this opportunity to still monetize me talking about dogs in my content is literally helping me make more money not the opposite so next time you feel boxed in in your niche think about that you know like in this 20% that I'm playing around with I can have fun 
here. I can do what I want here. And maybe it's even going to help me monetize even more. That was like a big revelation for me. I was really scared to do that for a while. The second thing that I've done to make social media more fun is less scrolling. And I know this sounds a little backwards, right? Because we're creators and we want our engagement to be high. Like we want people to scroll through and comment on our things. But there is a point in my opinion where scrolling just becomes toxic. And for me, most of the time when I'm scrolling, it's toxic. So I barely ever scroll on Instagram or TikTok. If I am scrolling, I watch stories a lot. I will say I spend most of my time on Instagram on stories. But if I'm scrolling, it's usually through the Instagram explore page for inspiration. Or I like how curated that page is. Again, like I find like good dog stuff there. I find like cool inspiration videos. Um, Or maybe I'm on TikTok, but typically no longer than like 15 minutes. So less scrolling to me equals less comparison. Uh, Also less seeing like what other people are doing and feeling like I have to do that. I think that really like helps me stay in my lane. A lot of creators see what other creators are doing and they think, oh, okay, that must be the right way to do it. Let me do it that way. And that's not necessarily going to help you. Like what other people do and what works for them doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work well for you too. Like you need to stay in your lane, draw inspiration, but you don't need to do what everyone else is doing. And I think, especially like I think in my niche where a lot of creator coaches are like doing things exactly the same, I don't even like to look at them because I don't want to see what anyone else is doing. Like I just want to like think of things out of my own brain and and make sure that I'm like being as unique as possible, right? So less scrolling for me, big, big, big help in making social media just more enjoyable. The third thing that I've done, and this I think is just so helpful for my mental health, but also just for my business in general, was spending more time in the DMs, spending more time making one-on-one genuine connections with other people. And the whole point, obviously, of social media is connection right? Like it's literally social networking, connection, making friends, talking to people. DMs for me, in my opinion, is where this happens the most. It's where it happens the strongest. So if I'm going to be spending my time doing something, I think spending my time in the DMs is a really great way for me to like be on social media, but still be productive enough where I know I'm going to actually help further my business in some way, shape or form. You may be thinking about this and thinking, okay, cool. Like, I know DMs are great and everything, but like, I don't really have a lot of people in my DMs. Like, and also I don't want to have too many people in my DMs. So how do you have that nice balance of like, you have a lot of conversations, especially a lot of consistent conversations in your DMs, but maybe you, you know, don't have too many that you can't handle it or, you know, not enough where you're still not having any. I think stories are the best, best, best opportunity for this. Uh, For example, I'm recording this on Monday, January 15th. This morning, I posted on my stories and said, uh, Hey, I'm looking for a new credit card. I want to get a new personal credit card. Um, I actually don't even have like a personal credit card. So I wanted to get one and I asked for recommendations on what people really like. And I got so many responses and this was just a really good way for me to like almost stimulate my DMS a little bit more. So if I ever feel like DMS are a little slow, I will always ask a question like that. Or if in general, even if they're not slow, if I'm looking for recommendations, recommendations. I'll always post it to my stories because that is a great way to encourage interactions and start those DM conversations. 
also, I mean, logistically, when we think about the algorithm, the algorithm really loves DMs because what it says is these people are are wanting to talk to each other so much that they're like coming here to have a private conversation and they're going to talk back and forth. It's not just like you responding to someone's comment on your post. Going into the DMs is almost like a totally new level of relationship between you and someone who follows you. And so the algorithm knows that that weighs more and they know that that is more valuable. So typically when you find yourself consistently DMing with someone, they're going to show up higher in your stories queue. They're going to show up higher in your your newsfeed when you're scrolling. So sharing stories that will encourage those interactions, get your DMs going a little bit more, but they're also going to help ideally with the reach of your posts and your stories there. For me, I would say that most of my off-niche stories generate the most DM interactions. A lot of the times I will share in my stories, you know, like something about being a creator or about uh, my business and things like that. And that just does fine. But it's always when I share like the most weird random things ever, like the credit card thing. Hey, looking for a personal credit card. Like any human who has a personal credit card, no matter whether they are a content creator or not, is going to be like, oh, let me tell them my favorite credit card. So don't feel like your stories need to always be on niche. I think especially in stories, this is again, your sandbox to just play around and like share anything and everything. And I'll bet that's where you'll start some of your strongest connections, your strongest relationships. So spend less time scrolling and more time in the DMs, in my opinion, that's going to make social media so much more fun because you're making just better connections with people. Now, this fourth thing that I'm going to share with you, I think is the most important thing about making social media fun and also making building a business fun. It's surrounding yourself with people who get it, right? And are getting excited about creating content. You can just love everything you post. You can be having a blast creating content. But the job of being a creator in a world where your friends and family like IRL probably just don't get it, don't understand it, is lonely as hell, guys. Like I, like Andrew as a small business owner, like Andrew, he gets a lot of my struggles, but he's not like an influencer. So he doesn't get a lot of those things. If you ask my mom and dad, what I did, what I do for a living, like I'll bet my life they will not be able to explain it. Um, (laughs) And also like a lot of my friends, they get it, but they just don't relate to it. So my people that I talk to like in social suite or creators that I have DMs with constantly, that's where I feel the, the least lonely, right? Like that's where I'm surrounded by people who just understand all of the things that I am getting like all the things that I'm doing, all the things that are coming at me and the way that I'm feeling like they have felt the same way and they understand all of that. One of the biggest pieces of feedback that I hear from members of our private creator community, Social Suite, is that they love having this safe space where they're just surrounded by people who understand what they're going through on a daily basis. I mean, even for example, one of the things that we do in Social Suite, actually two, I think, really great examples of this. First are date 
date nights. So a couple times a month, we do this specific type of meeting where the whole point is for us to just get on this call for an hour, a video call where we're all hanging out, like everyone's in pajamas, whatever, we're hanging out. And we are just talking about all the shit that we have gone through (laughs) on a daily basis. Like this brand said this to me, this is what I'm dealing with. Here's what this person commented on this. And you know, like, what do you guys do when this happens? And it's literally like your sounding board of all these people who understand exactly what you're feeling. And they're able to help you through all of those things just like from experience. And another thing that we do that I think is so helpful, almost a little bit more logistically, but again, a great resource for you to have as a creator is our content audit workshops. This is a different type of meeting that we do multiple times per month. And we essentially get to sit down again on a Zoom call as a group, we all can showcase a piece of our content and say, all right, what did you like? What did you hate? What would you do differently? And everyone is kind of just spewing feedback, right? Like, wouldn't it be so cool for you to sit down in a, at a table, get to go to a coffee shop with like a bunch of other creators and just be like, all right, guys, what am I doing right? And what am I doing wrong? That's literally what our content audit workshops are. That's literally what our content audit workshops are, but they're just virtual. So if you feel like you need that sounding board from like a more creative or logistical standpoint, you have that in social suite as well. Obviously, people on the outside love to make fun of our job and just talk about basically how we sit around and play with makeup all day. (laughs) I don't know if I ever actually told this story. Real quick, I have to tell you this because I think it's the craziest thing and I'll never get over it in my life. When I was maybe in my early 20s, I was dating this guy who he like worked at a bar or restaurant, whatever, very detached from social media. Um, I don't even know if he had an Instagram, but essentially I was like just kind of like beginning to become an influencer, content creator or whatever. And he and I got in a big fight one day and he was like, all you do is sit around and play with makeup all day. And at this point I was like doing more beauty stuff. (laughs) And I just remember being like, no, he did not. Like he did not. And I got my dogs and I got in my car and I drove to Dairy Queen and I just straight up ate a giant blizzard and was just raging at how someone had the audacity to literally discount my job like that. So hard. (laughs) Real. This is real. This is real. Like this is the reality of what people think about influencers. And it's sad, but that is basically like what we deal with. And the reality of it actually is that our job is just as hard as any other job. We have struggles just like accountants do, just like car sales people do. Like any other different job category has struggles. Guess what? We do too. We don't just sit around and play with makeup. You, if you're listening, already know this. Except most of our struggles are public. We are often not really able to clock out like most people do. Building your own business is incredibly lonely if you don't have the community around you that you can properly be supported and just have someone who relates to your struggles. So surrounding myself with people who get it and got excited about creating content and could relate to me, that makes me feel good about social media because I know that I have those people who are willing to help me and like get it. I know that I'm not like just a weirdo who's like posting videos of myself for fun on the internet, right? The next 
thing that I did was I made my content more sustainable. If it is sustainable, I think it's easier. And if it's easier, it's more fun. Like you're not so stressed out about it. Let me ask you this. Why are you making this so hard for yourself? Sis, why are you making this so hard for yourself? If you find yourself constantly having to film high production content, you're going to end up hating the content creation process, which is clearly the most crucial part of your job as a content creator. Duh. Here's what I need you to do. This is what we're going to do in 2024. We're going to make a 50-50 rule. 50% of your content can be high production. 50% of it though also needs to be low lift content. 50%? Okay, it's a lot of work. It looks really awesome and it's like beautiful and whatever. 50% on a whim, easy, just throw it up type of content. Honestly, you could even have a higher percentage of low lift content. And let me give you an example of this. My content used to be me having to go every single Saturday, I would drag Andrew out with a whole car load of clothing and I would change in my car and do photo shoots. And like, we would be slaving away in the sun all day. Like this was a, a whole day long process where every Saturday we would basically take the entire day to shoot all this content. Now it takes me 15, maybe 30 minutes to create my Instagram or TikTok content each morning. And I literally do it the day that I post it. It doesn't have to be hard. We're in the process. Are are you getting tripped up? Like what is taking you the longest? What is the part of the process that you just literally hate? Like you're starting to loathe it. And then think, what if you just stopped doing that part? Like what if you, what would happen? What's the worst that would happen if you just stopped doing it? For example, I hated going out every Saturday and doing photo shoots. It sucked. And I felt so bad because it, poor Andrew, I was like, <laughs> don't care what you're doing this Saturday because guess what you are going to be doing? You're going to be taking photos of me all day. Well, I'm miserable because I don't like any of them. Sounds like fun. Don't care. And so I got to a point where I was like, I just don't like doing this. Like that made it not fun for me. And so I stopped doing that. I said to myself, that's crazy. Why would I stop doing that? That's what I've built my whole following on. I said, what if I just stopped doing that? And I literally just stopped doing that. And look at here I am. I'm good. I'm fine. I've made it. <laughs> like I made it through the scariness. And here I am on the other side telling you how to do the same thing. Another example, maybe you hate the editing process. Like maybe you like taking the photos, but you get home with like hundreds of photos and you're like, no, I'm not editing all of these. What if you just posted them without a filter? What if you just didn't edit them? Like, will you die? No, you'll be fine. Okay. Why are you making this so hard for yourself? Create content that is more sustainable. That is how social media and being a creator is going to be more fun in 2024. Thank you so much. And the last thing, and I bring this up last because I'm really still working on this one. I'll be honest with you. It's detaching your worth from the numbers. Follower count, I have successfully done this. This For the last couple years, I literally don't care what my follower count is. It's just, I've... I'm so annoyed with it and so over it that I just don't care. Like I can't even contribute my energy to caring about it. But my performance of my posts is what's getting me now. I'll tell you, poor Andrew, my mood directly correlates with how my posts are performing on any given day. Like if I have a reel that is just like tanking, I'm such a bitch. <laughs> Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm not fun to be around. So I need to work on making that like disconnected. I don't need to be like, oh, if my post performs well, I'm good and I'm good at my job and, and like I deserve to be here and everything. Like I need
need to detach that <laughs> and I'm working on it, right? I used to, on my post back when I was doing a lot of those photo shoots and stuff, I used to get over a thousand likes on my posts. And now I get somewhere between like 100 to 500, 600. Does it hurt my feelings and my ego sometimes? Yeah. But my niche is just different now. Like it doesn't appeal to as many people. I love creating the content that I create now. It feels so good. And so it should matter so much less that the performance is lower because I'm having fun and just enjoying myself more. When it comes to detaching your worth from your numbers, these are three things that like are constantly on repeat in my brain <laughs> so that I can like remember that I, I don't suck if my posts suck. Okay. First things first, quality over quantity. Okay. My posts may get 300 likes, but those 300 people are down ass bitches that are always there for me. That is my squad. Like that's my strong community. I love and I know every single one of those people. And so I'm cool with that. And I try and remember that that is fine. That is good. That is okay. The other thing, not every post is going to be your best post. If every single post that I shared on Instagram was my best post ever, I would have five gazillion likes on every single post. Like that's just not how it's going to work. Not everything you post is going to be your best post. And that's fine. That is normal. That's literally how it goes. So don't get tripped up on that. And this one may be the most important, especially if you are someone who is a service provider. Is my content converting in other ways? I now in my coaching business am making more money than I've ever made. However, I'm getting the least likes on my posts that I ever had. Make it make sense, right? It's because I'm focused on the quality over the quantity. Is my content converting other ways? Yes, it is. I'm making sales. My membership is growing. My course is booming. Everything is going great. And so I'm cool with it if, if my numbers aren't exactly where I want them to be. Because in other ways, my numbers are where I want them to be, if not higher than where I want them to be. So here's your recap. First thing we're going to do, incorporate things that we love into our content. Second, less scrolling. Third, more time in the DMs. Fourth, surrounding yourself with people who get it. Fifth, creating content that's more sustainable. And six, detaching your worth from the numbers. Say it with me. Detach your worth from the numbers. Okay? Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you absolutely loved it. If you have any questions, as always, send me a DM. Uh, obviously, we're spending more time in our DMs this year. So my DMs are always open. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will see you next week. Bye.